Hi, this is Patty Lapone. This is Allison Janney. This is Matt Balmer. This is Donna Murphy. This is Nia Vardalis. This is Jesse Tyler Ferguson. This is Beanie Feldstein. I'm Octavia Spencer. This is Ben Platt, and you're listening to Little Known Facts with my favorite person on the planet, Alana Levine. A-OK. Welcome to Little Known Facts, a podcast where you will hear unfiltered, raw, honest, and uniquely funny interviews with artists you love as they talk about the art they love to make. I'm your host, Ilana Levine. Hey, I heard you needed inspiration. He's a lot of and friends with some revelations. Little known back to the day, every little thing's gonna be a-okay. everyone. Welcome to Little Known Facts. I am here to say that this is my 100th episode. I'm so thrilled that I can say that. It has been an amazing adventure. And before I share my guest today, Matthew Broderick, who came on the podcast as part of a live event that we did together with proceeds going to an incredible organization called The Trevor Project, I just want to take a minute to say thank you. And there are a few people in particular that I really want to say thank you to. First and foremost, Chad Dugatz. It is Chad who records every episode with me, listens to the edit, does the edit with me, and has really shepherded this through from day one. I started out as a lover of podcasts, but literally as someone who had no idea how to even begin. And the reason I'm at 100 is because of Hanger Studios and Chad Dugatz. So I just have to say that out loud for all the world to hear. I also want to thank Don Andrews and Christopher Henke and other friends of mine who from day one were like, you could do this. John Slattery, who was my very first guest, and because he came on, well, it was really easy to get the following 99. Ben Platt and Beanie Feldstein and all of my guests who have come on this show, friends who have not only given me their time to sit in the podcast booth with me and share stories they've never shared before, but the way in which they so generously talked about my podcast in the community at large. I will never know how to say thank you properly, but today is an opportunity to say thank you. My parents, of course, my siblings, my beautiful husband, Dominic Famusa, my kids, Georgia and Caleb, all of whom have kind of made this a family business in some way with their support and their love and their enthusiasm. But mostly all of you, it is now 100 episodes later and the friends I've made through this podcast Well, that was just a gift I never expected. So thank you, not just for listening and sharing the podcast and giving me encouragement to keep going, but thank you for being the kindest, most generous, inspirational people on every level. So with all that, little known fact about my guest today, even though he has been one of the most prolific movie stars on the planet for over three decades, he is constantly returning to his first love, the theater. And for that, I am unbelievably grateful. Welcome, Matthew Broderick, to the podcast. Welcome, everyone, to Little Known Facts. This is um, my first live podcast event, and I have to say, other than my family who is here tonight, Matthew is probably someone I've known the longest of everybody in this room, which is kind of extraordinary. Yeah. How long has it been? (laughs) 
<laughs> well, it feels, I don't know, it's been like 25 years. Yeah, at least, yeah. Do you think that's true? Yeah, it's absolutely true. I think it might be even, might be more. That would be impossible. How could of it be course, more than yeah. that? No, what are you I'm talking sorry. about? <laughs> I have two things I want to say, but will you tell the joke that you just told me backstage that oh, your castmate told just, you? Okay, I only, I only just heard it, so I, know, I hope that good. I get it right. It's a mad cow, you know, when there was mad cow disease. Anybody remember that? <laughs> uh, so two cows are in a field, and one of the cows says, are you worried about this mad cow thing? And the other one says, no, I'm a giraffe. <laughs> I totally got it the first time. <laughs> Before we begin, I want to say two things. One, many of you are aware that the reason Matthew and I are here tonight, aside from being so honored to be a part of NYC PodFest, is all of the proceeds from tonight are going to an organization that we both admire so much called The Trevor Project. They, um, they are there to support LGBTQ kids all over the country, and I just think they're extraordinary, and you can look on their website when you get home tonight, and you'll see why I dragged you out. You'll be home in time for Homeland, but... Um, and the other thing is that by the time this episode airs, uh, it will be my hundredth, which is kind of an amazing thing, so... Congratulations. Thank you. Um, and I want to thank my friend Mike Canzanero is out here somewhere, and it's because of him and ProMedia and Hangar Studios that all of this is happening, but enough about uh, celebrating me. <laughs> that's, that's amazing. It is amazing. How many podcasts did it take to get to the 100th? It took 77 podcasts to get to 100. <laughs> it's crazy. That's a very quick, actually quick way to get to 100. That's yeah, you skip. Yeah. You skip some. Yeah. Um, the thing that is really remarkable is that what most of you don't know is like 25 minutes ago, Matthew was on stage at the Irish Rep in a play called The Seafarer. <laughs> and I just want to say, and I don't mean to embarrass you, but you're notoriously late for everything. And Thank you. You're welcome. <laughs> so the idea that you are here, not only were you on time, but you were early. I was kind of early, yeah, and um, thank you for the uh, mixed nuts and Pringles, water, and... Uh, Doritos. Doritos. Cheetos. Cheetos. All Costco delicious items. Um, anyway, he plays a character who is... Um, I was thinking how when I need an Irish accent, do you guys know the Lucky Charms commercial? Like, they're magically delicious. Um, is that what you did to get your Irish accent so perfect? <laughs> Uh, that's how I, where I started, and then, uh, then to, to, yeah, no, actually, honestly, they have a very good teacher there at the Irish Rep, because they run into this a lot, so, uh. People coming in with, like, I can, I got this. Yeah. <laughs> Green go, clovers. Yeah. Orange hot, yeah. Yeah, and, but, uh, st his name is Stephen Gabus. Shout out to Stephen. Shout out, uh, yeah, and I think he's available. That's great. You need an accent. He can do anything. I love that. I love that. He, he sends you tapes of people uh, that are similar, or, uh, or of, of he'll read the part for you and then send you a file. Do you find that you're doing the yes. play the way he... <laughs> I do. The, 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 the other play I did there, um, I actually, yeah, I, I, actually, I won an Obie Award, which sounds like I'm Well, it sounds bragging. like he won an Obie Award. Well, yeah. Do you no. know what I mean? Yes, because yeah. 
I, I, I'll say this. I, I never, I learned the accent from him, and I never changed any of his readings, ever. So, uh, <laughs> it was just his performance with my face. <laughs> I feel like that is like a life lesson. It is, and I don't know what the lesson is in it, but it, it is one. I was thinking how, so Matthew, and maybe there are more of you out there, is half Irish and half Jewish. Is anyone else here half Irish and half Jewish? Yeah, yeah. so you, it's kind of an amazing it's combination. Tough, huh? It's rough. <laughs> um, because I was thinking how he played Leo Bloom in The Producers, who's kind of a quintisexual, what a quintisexual. <laughs> It's one of the uh, one of those new uh, genders. Quintessential. He played Leo Bloom in The Producers, which I'm sure you have seen, and he was hilarious. And he's now playing this really quintessential Irish character in this play. And it reminded me of the fact that you've had this kind of dual life. You grew up in New York City. Yeah. Your mom was Jewish. Mm -hmm. Your dad, the magnificent actor, James Broderick, was of Irish descent. Yeah. And you grew up going to Ireland as a kid, right? Is that right? Yeah, no, that's correct. About 10 years old, my parents bought a place there, or maybe even a little earlier than that. And um, we spent summers there. And do you still spend time there? Yeah, sometimes. I haven't been there in a little while, but uh, my sisters do, and, and I do, and all their kids do, and everybody goes there all the time. We got a house that we all share. That's really nice. And so tonight, like, there may be a lucky winner, right, who gets to go. Who gets to stay in my house. Yeah, sure. As long as I'm not there, it's fine. It's great. Yeah. I think that I'm going to venture a guess that everyone here is familiar with Ferris Bueller. Is that a fair guess? And it's very exciting because there are my children and their friends are in Which the audience tonight. That's Georgia. That's Hi. Caleb. Hello. There's their friend Dylan right imagine there. Imagine that. Um, yeah. Can you imagine that? Remember we talked about my kids? There they are. That unbelievable. Big. It's unbelievable. Um, and I was thinking about how that film is 30 years old yeah, at this point. I know. And it's probably something you still get recognized for. Is that true? Um, yeah. I mean, I get asked about it a lot. And yeah, it still, still seems to be in people's minds 30 years later, which so, is amazing. It feels so fresh to us because we all see it and, and we've seen it so recently. Do you remember filming that movie? Do you have real memories <laughs> <all>? of it? <laughs> did your vocal, did someone give you an accent and then you went in and did the uh, performance yeah. with? No, because in all honesty, you were 23? Yeah, you, something it is like that. Such a confident performance. Like, that's such a confident <clears throat> performance. Yeah, well, I didn't feel so con. I mean, I. I remember, I remember very well making it. Um, I had all, I had done like Brighton Beach and Biloxi Blues on Broadway, and for a year each, I'd done War Games. So I, I, I was young, but I had done some. You uh, did a film or two. Before. Yeah, two films, I yeah. guess. Three. Well, one stopped because the director died mid-filming, right? He didn't die, but he was too sick to continue. Okay. But is he, he dead now? Oh yeah, he okay. did. Yeah. So, he, actually, he died. If he hadn't died, yeah, you're right. I shouldn't have doubted you. If, yeah. if, if he, actually, if he, 
if he hadn't died, I would have been pissed off because they stopped the movie because he was so sick. So right. I was like, well, he, he better die. He better and die. He die. <laughs> and he died. Yeah. Um, uh, but, but when I made... Uh, <laughs> but I digress. Oh, yes. yes. Uh, what were you saying? Uh, I don't remember. Ferris Bueller. Yes. I thought it was a very confident performance. It was, and you're th- saying... Yes, thank you. It, it, no, it was. But, you know, it, it looks that way. You know, John Hughes directed it and, and wrote it. And uh, he was like the king of uh, teen movies at that time. Like the, they would call him the Spielberg of uh, that genre. Hmm. Isn't that interesting? Yeah. Little known fact. And, and I could tell because it's always good when you, when you see this. Hmm. Yeah. <laughs> Um, no, I mean, none of us knew that, so that's yeah. amazing. <laughs> uh, but anyway, he was quite particular about stuff, so, you know, it wasn't like I was totally confident, but in a way, I always, when I, even, I think when I was young, I was more confident, if, if that's possible. Like, now I'm more, I might just remember it wrong, but do you ever think when you're, when you were young, you, did, you weren't as self-conscious and you would, were braver? Do you ever? You're allowed to answer questions. Do you no, ever? No, I wanted. I want to be thoughtful about that because there are parts of my youth I remember, like with tremendous clarity, and mm-hmm. then great, great expanses yeah. of blackness. <laughs> sure. um, I would say I was very spontaneous and daring. Right. And I was not self-conscious. Right. But also wasn't worried about consequences, yeah, right? Yeah, I guess that's a little what I mean. You know, when I did that movie, I was like, well, here I am, a star in a movie. I've barely ever done that before. Right. But when you so have like a towel on your work? head and you're in the bathroom, like talk about that scene, the singing, the, the shower scene, and you make that cute hairdo. Uh, yeah, the hairdo came about, I think it was my, that was me, I... Confident you. Yeah, there was, and also, you know, I'm shooting all day in a shower trying to think of funny Funny things. So I put my hair up like that. And then, but this is what, you know, what's such so good sometimes in movies is then the director, John, likes that. And then he figures, then the hair guy comes and makes it like amazing. Right. So, but it might have been my idea, but he knew enough to say that's good and, and make that better. And, um, the towel on the head was definitely all, all my idea. I remember that. Because that's how my sisters would come out of the shower in my, in my boyhood. I have two sisters. Yeah. And they always seem to have a towel up like that. <laughs> so that's what, kind of what I do Do at you home. still do that? I, yeah, I, you know, no. My hair's short and old, and I just wipe it. <laughs> I, I, don't, I can't see it. You know, I can't see my hair anymore. Well, speaking of... Bathrooms. Yeah, bathrooms. We yeah. were having, we were remembering, like, so the the reason we know each other yes. is because, well, okay. There's a wonderful writer named Kenny Lonergan. He recently wrote a movie called Manchester by the Sea. Yep. He won a, a lot of fancy he awards for that. Matthew's in that movie. Matthew is in most of the things that Kenny has done in in a small way or a big way because Matthew and Kenny Lonergan grew up together Mm -hmm. in New York City, went to school together, and were great friends. I was asked to be in a reading of a play that Kenny Lonergan wrote, really it was 30 years ago, (laughs) whatever. I was 10. It was a miraculous thing. (laughs) They needed a a 10-year-old. And Matthew and Helen Hunt were in this play reading. It was called Judith. 
I went to LA. I became roommates with Helen Hunt. Matthew would come out to visit. We became great friends. And we were just remembering that one night, Jeff Goldblum and Gina Davis invited. This was a big deal for me. I was not Matthew Broderick. I had not been in war games. Every time I met a person, I was like, All right, what is happening? So I was in Gina Davis and Jeff Goldblum's house. They're two of the really tallest people on the planet. Would you agree? I would absolutely agree. And... They're like, do you want to come play Jenga? And we were like, yes. <laughs> yes, we yeah, do. And, and to them, Jenga is like a teeny little game. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> like when you're in an airplane and you look down yeah. and you see a city, that's yeah. what everything looks like to them. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's like the tra- it looked like the travel edition of Jenga, actually. Yeah. <laughs> And then I had to go to the bathroom. I'm sorry. It's just that I saw him backstage and I had not thought about this in, all right, 60 years. Yeah. It's been 60 years. <laughs> and I went into a bathroom and the entire bathroom was their cat's bathroom. And it was like covered with kitty litter and a white picket fence. And I thought, that's amazing. But then tell them about the bedroom. Yeah. They, they gave us a tour. They did give us a tour. And they had a bed, which was... I think it was two California kings that had been specially made attached to each other. Yeah, maybe more. Maybe more. Like and the whole had, room was a bed dream. And they had sheets made. I hope they're not going to be... Boy, I wouldn't want either of them mad at me. No, I, I wouldn't either. <laughs> the sheets were made, so it really looked like a normal bed, except it was huge. Yeah. Of course, not when they were lying on not it. Not for it them. Normal, <laughs> but yeah. They were very in love, though. They were so in love. Yeah. The thing that's amazing, though, all these years later, is that Gina Davis has gone on to become one of the most vocal activists for gender equality and women's equality in the business. She's been instrumental in, I think, like educating television execs to make sure that women are represented in high-powered jobs on television, among other places. Anyway, I wish I could go back in time and thank her for everything she's ended up doing for all of us. But anyway, what I wanted to ask you on another subject completely, because you're in this play right now, I find it remarkable because you're one of the only, and I'm going to call you a movie star, a bona fide movie star. I'm going to call you that and you can take it or reject it. All right. Okay. Is it on? (laughs) You come back to the theater over and over again, and I really cannot think of anyone else who has the film opportunities that you have uh, that does as many plays that you do, unless you want to. Do you know anybody? Uh, I don't know. No, nobody. No, I don't. Yeah. And I think that that is um, a remarkable thing and something I admire about you so much. And I'm wondering, the play that I just saw, and there's such an amazing turn of events that I, spoiler alert, which is such a trendy, no one said that years ago when I was young, but spoiler alert, I don't even know where that came from. So I'm not going to tell you what the spoiler alert is, but there's a twist that's really shocking. Why did you choose that play and how do you choose what you do? Well, um, it's different all the time, but uh, I did, the the play is written by a writer named Connor McPherson and um, I did another play of his two years ago called Shining City, and I really enjoyed it. And it's a very small theater, and um, 
smaller, I think, than I've ever worked in. And it's kind of fun because the audience is about, it's about this size, honestly. I wanted to do a, that play. I like that writer. I read the play, and what happens very often is everybody thinks, why did you want this particular thing? But more often, the truth is um, you have a time. You're not doing anything. And it's got some elements that are good and some that you don't know if they're good and you think maybe it would be good though and I might, let me see how that is. Which is not to say anything's wrong with it. But I don't always, it's not like I say I want to exactly do this and then I'm going to do that and then I sort of, uh, I have a feeling that I should do it and then I do it and hope that once I start doing it I will know why I'm, I'm doing it. If and that has that revealed... Yes, I think that's true in marriage. Yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah. It, 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 in, and a lot of times, you know, when you in food that you order in the restaurant, I, I hope this is good. <laughs> you don't know. I don't know which to get, but I'm going to get that. Yeah. Right. right. I get you. What are you getting? You're, you know? Right. What, what are you eating? What that's are you eating? That's a good question. Do you... Do you wait to order until you hear what everyone else I, if, has if ordered? If I can, I would much prefer to know what everybody is getting. Yes. Nobody likes to go first. For anything. No. No. Except like getting in a lifeboat. Or something. <laughs> That's a lot of people want to go first, yeah. Touche. Yeah, you're welcome. Yeah, Do you feel like you're in a lifeboat right now? <laughs> yeah, no, I'm terrified. Uh, yeah. <laughs> terrified. Yeah. No, I'm still on that big boat with the hole in it. Yeah, you yeah. are. <laughs> <laughs> it's so different doing it in front of a live audience, I know, isn't it? I know. I have a, a yeah, a deranged desire to be appealing. <laughs> I think it's working. Would you agree? It's working. I, I think I shouldn't have said deranged. Deranged. Yeah, a deranged desire. That makes it sound not Mad good. cow disease. So when you started out, I would imagine you had a very different strategy than the one you just described, which is there's a hole in my schedule. This thing came to me. There are mm -hmm. enough elements. When you started out... Like, I don't know, because we're older than everyone in this room, Matthew, yeah. they don't know the Neil Simon trilogy of plays, right. possibly. Mm -hmm. But but those plays were centered around a character named Eugene who really was Neil Simon yeah. as a child. And Neil Simon is this extraordinary comedy writer. He started in theater and sketch comedy. And The Odd Couple is a movie that he wrote and a TV show that he wrote. And then it was revamped again. Yeah. Um, but there was a lot of Matthew being incredibly funny and charming, World War II era, direct address to the audience yes. where this character would talk he would leave the the story of and the family and kind of walk to the edge of the stage and explain a little bit about what was going on exactly and so ferris bueller does that too yes and and so i wonder if earlier in your career you tried to be strategic like okay i've done that kind of part now yes. i'm going to do a different kind of part and, and show did. them my um complexity yeah no you you know it's very tricky that's the thing particularly when you're starting because when you uh start start you just audition for everything and Pray. hopefully somebody gives you a part yeah so there's no decisions to make there's just like okay i'll go there because they because i got that part 
When you started, did you think you'd do this your whole life? No, was th- so I really didn't. I thought it was like a way to not go to college for a year. Great. Honestly, and then... This was your gap year, and it's gone on right. for 30 years. Yes, and even still, I'm sometimes like, wait a minute, I didn't really mean to be a lifelong actor, mm-hmm. to tell you the truth, but, I, you know, it's way too late to do anything. Yeah. Um, do you have other skills? No, that's the other... <laughs> Another problem. Yeah. Um, but, uh, yeah, after I did the uh, Neil Simon plays, and then Ferris Bueller came along, to tell you the truth, I was like, no, I don't want, I've been talking to the audience for two years, and that's all I'm going to ever do then, you know? I, I need a real part, I don't want to... <laughs> and uh, I told my agent that, actually, right. and he was like, I'll see you tomorrow. He was in L.A. <laughs> he was like, got on an airplane because he was afraid I was... Because you were so wrong. He was afraid I was not going to do uh, Ferris Bueller. And he right. Was, it was literally like while I was complaining, <laughs> there was a knock on the door and now uh, there he was, you know? <laughs> and he said, you know, I, I think you should really do it. And, what if uh, he had like flippers on and like yeah, a yeah. mask and he's like, whoa, sorry. Yeah, yeah, do you have a towel? Smoke, <laughs> smoke coming off of his body. And he, he was... Uh, no, he would have... Uh, he was not. He would not leave until I was like, I'll, "Of course, yeah." And he Did was you right. not know, like John Hughes? It's not like he was an unknown. Like oh, no, all those other mo- sixteen candles, done, Breakfast Club. He did exactly. That's what he had done then. <laughs> but you were not so aware, or you were I really worried aware, about the character. I was a little bit aware. I, you know, I, I hadn't actually. I, I think I might have seen um, Breakfast Club when it came out, but then. When the opportunity for Ferris Bueller came, I actually rented the VHS of uh, the, the, the one about her birthday. What's that called? Sixteen Candles. And um, Sixteen Candles. I think that's all there was at that point was that and Breakfast Club. Right. And Can't then there was Ferris more. Bueller. Right. And then Planes, Trains, and Automobiles and yeah. a, whole, a whole bunch. Uh, but I rented those, watched them. And then uh, I thought they were great. And the only interesting thing, the slightly interesting thing about that is, um, but I, maybe I hope I didn't already tell it. But uh, Not tonight. No, yeah. Um, I rented them and I thought about it and finally decided to do it. And I was still in a play. It was in Biloxi Blues, I think. And uh, I got a call at, from the doorman at the theater. I was in my dressing room, you know, in my halfway in my costume, whatever, and they said, Matthew, you have a phone call. That's what would happen in those days. And I came down the stairs and, uh, you know, by the doorman, I picked up the phone. I said, yes, they said, this is uh, the Texas something, something. We're a collection agency. You rented uh, 16 candles <laughs> and uh, you owe... Th- th- $3,200, it's some incredible bill for these, because I never, <laughs> never gave I never back. thought to bring them back, or, uh, <laughs> and I remember they called me at the theater to say, um, they, what was, what was, what did I intend to do about this? And I said, well, the movie's only worth $90, and they said, that doesn't matter, you rented it for that long, it could be worth nothing, but you still owe us 4000 something like that, yeah. and, uh, Anyway, the ending is great because uh, my accountant called them and negotiated. So I gave them the price of the tape and the tape. And they thought, oh, that's okay. 
That seems fair. That seems yeah. more than fair. I was pretty happy. Yeah, I was happy with that deal. And look at me now. Did you know when you were... That movie was 30 years ago. I know. Okay? I'm just going to say that one more time. Yeah. Because... Why? You... <laughs> because that will be the one of the first sentences of everything written about you forever. When I die. On your, on your, in your obituary. Yeah. Or on your tombstone, it might say, here lies. I, I doubt that. <laughs> I guess my question is, did you realize at the time? No. Was there any way to no. understand the lasting power of it? No, no, nobody knows those things, you know? I mean, we just, it was a movie like other movies. I, I uh, I was hopeful about it, um, and I loved, you know, Alan Ruck was a good friend. I mean, it, you know, I loved making it, and uh, I saw it, and I was like, oh, that doesn't work. That's too bad, and um, <laughs> which I basically always, you know, think that, and, and then... Um, You're so shiny and positive. I know, but I'm Jewish, and you just And Irish. It. Yeah. That is so much guilt. It, yes, I know. I, right? Yeah, it's I know. I and an exhibitionist. Yeah. So it's strange. And and I just also want to say in the play that I am encouraging you to all go see, the amount of drinking that yeah. goes on. Did you ever do a rehearsal where you guys actually drank no. real drinks? No, we didn't. We thought about it. Uh I've heard of people doing that. Yeah. I think the amount just we drinking in this play might kill us. But, yeah. Um uh that would be an interesting experiment. But uh, I, I've heard what happens is it just gets very sloppy and slow and yeah. doesn't really work. I only meant in rehearsal. I'm not. Oh a no, proponent. I know that's yeah. all we would do. Yeah, I, I mean, never... if anyone from Equity is here, yeah, that's, we're no, just I'm somebody in who I wouldn't. The idea of being uh, intoxicated and on stage is uh, very unappealing. To it's me. intoxicating just to be on stage, isn't it? It's plenty. Yeah, <laughs> I do. I like immediately afterwards but we were I, just in the green room here yeah, you don't no, have to the, tell me twice it's in my rider of course it is yeah he needed green m&ms what what would be in your rider if you had one what do you like to have at the at where like if you were if we were about you and i to do this at the barclays which i'm sure after today they're going to want us like yeah. nickels and may style yeah, yeah they're going to want it i mean you know what do you like it, nothing i mean i like Whatever I'm like the same way I am. What are you getting? You know, yeah. I want whatever the uh, I want. <laughs> Does what she have Twizzlers? I would want to know what was in your dressing room, right? And be and I'd be like, why don't I have yeah. Lay's potato chips? Yeah. I want that. And sorry, got there first. Yeah. So before we open it up to the audience, I I would love for you guys to have some time to ask him questions. If if you guys clap, if that's of interest to you. Okay. Doesn't seem that interesting. No. I'll keep going. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> nice work if you yeah. can get it. Um, will you finish that? How does that go? What? Nice work if you can get it. And if you get it. Right. <laughs> Didn't you do that on Broadway? I did. Great. Yeah. For a year. For a year. Over a year. And now it's gone. No, it's not gone. No, you could sing it right now. Absolutely. Would you like to hear a... Uh, no, I'm just kidding. I know. And there's a piano starts, you know, tinkling over there. Yeah. Yes. No. So 
No, not, I guess they not do. Not happen. And I understand. It's not in your rider. Do you feel like because because you are so like I recognized you the minute you walked in today. You did. I That's knew it was great. you. Yeah. And I imagine a lot of people do who don't actually have a Jenga memory with mm-hmm. you. Do you feel like you can relax when you leave your house? Are you yourself because you've been someone who people recognize for longer than you were alive before that was true. And that's kind of a unique thing, mm-hmm. right? Do you, yes. do you feel like yourself? Well, uh, I guess that is myself, you know, which is a very strange thing to realize. But um, I'm, I'm pretty, I'm not as recognizable. I mean, I can sort of slip around pretty well. You know, I'm also, I'm a person who doesn't, Particularly, it, it's ah, I'm, I'm I'm very used to it. You're right. There's a lot. There are a lot of huge advantages. I mean, being here, and and then, really, the only advantage is a good table at a restaurant. Other than that, there aren't really any, to be honest. But um, that is it. Yeah, that's it. Um, no, I get to meet wonderful people, and um, uh. <laughs> I, you know, that's, the, I don't know, people don't bother me that much. I've been with people who are super famous and who have to basically hide. All are you the time. married to someone like that? Yes. And, and, and that, that can be, that can be uh, hard. So but that's nice. She's so good at it and, yeah. and uh, you know, very kind. But, but uh, you know, if, if we're with our children and um, sometimes you don't want to be having a conversation about how much the show meant to somebody, not that it's not wonderful. Right. It's just at that time you want to, you're not wanting to be doing that. So, and it's a little repetitive. But right. I hate people who complain about it. Right. Which I'm now sound like I'm doing. No, nope. I don't think you did. I I asked. Yeah. But also, I think it's interesting because Sarah, who was also on the podcast, mm-hmm. reminded me that she you, loves you. I love her. Good. I'm sad she's not here. I know you are. I'm <laughs> sure everybody is, but. <laughs> Those are the breaks. Why do you think I would have such different shoes on right now if Sarah were here? Yeah, I like your shoes. I remember those shoes. Yeah, they were yours. You gave me a bowling ball. So fast. (laughs) See how fast that is? I'm really fast. That is quick. I also am so fast and have dementia at Mm -hmm. the same time. So sometimes... That's a good combination. (laughs) Perfect. What? (laughs) You gave me a bowling ball. Really? I gave you one? You gave me a bowling ball, because we used to go bowling a lot, and that was so sweet of you. We were so good at that. Um, Sarah, I I don't know where that is. That bowling ball? I think, yeah, that's sad that I don't have it anymore. Yeah, I don't have whatever. I had one, too. Yeah. Yeah, it's gone. Oh, wow. Um, We can get more. You got, (laughs) there's more bowling balls with it. Yeah, let's go right now and get a couple bowling Bowling balls. Let's be like Oprah. Everybody, everyone gets a bowling ball in the audience tonight. Um, wait, see, it went away. There was a thought. You oh, had a thought. She, Sarah, who I love as mm-hmm. much as she loves me, reminded me that you guys got married like either right before or after Sex in the City shot. So, in fact, I think she had to tell Darren Starr, like, I would love to do this job, but I'm actually getting married on this date. You had a secret wedding right near here. That's true. 
at the Angel Orange Center. Yeah. How did you pull that off? Um, we just did it. I was shooting a movie too, and, and we but we scheduled it, and um, that was a period when we were very much not wanting any. We didn't want any press. We thought that would ruin it, and um, so your relationship we, or your wedding. The wedding. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, we made it, we went to a lot of trouble, like, you know, to, which now seems slightly silly to me. We should have just said, you can't come in. <laughs> um, but we were very <laughs> secretive about it. And, um, and I have a, a one lousy memory of that even. I was having to promote some movie at the time and every interview I did, they were like, are you getting married? And I'd be like, nope. And, uh, now it was somebody who's like, you you must tell me, just tell me vaguely. You don't have to say when, but is right. that? And, and I was like, I can't believe you keep asking me that. No, 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 no. And I was getting married, I think, the next day. <laughs> so I had to use this poor man. I can't remember his name. It's from the New York Post. And he wrote an article that was like, the rumors are crazy. Everybody's gone nuts. I just did you send so nice him like charming. a piece of cake or something after his apology? Apolog- yeah. I did apologize. Good. I called him to Good apologize, man. Yeah. and uh, he said he had been extremely humiliated by it, <laughs> and uh, that people in the office made made fun of him, and that he felt he was really upset and hurt by it. That's and horrible. I said, "All right, well, anyway, I just uh, there you go." Uh, How do you think I feel? Yeah. <laughs> Well, I didn't have to say a fake sorry. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Well, I'm really glad you married Sarah. I am too. I know she's. But I wish I hadn't lied to that poor gentleman. What can I do? Something. You nothing. You couldn't do anything. I would have done the same thing. So. (laughs) Um. You, you, madam, have you a question? Anybody in questions? Did anyone ever lie? Has anyone ever lied, ever, in this audience? Right there. Okay, I have a question for you. It's sort of about your rituals. I know that you've worked with Jack Lemmon, who was notorious before he would step out on stage, or once the director called action, he would always say, it's magic time. So... Right before you are about to walk on stage or act, what like what do you do? Are you the kind of actor who is talking like Matthew right before they yes, call action? Usually. And then um, you say it's magic there, time. Yeah, I don't say it's magic time, but, <laughs> but there are there are scenes where I have to concentrate a little. But um <laughs> but usually honestly what I find is best for me is to I talk to every. I'm talking, make jokes, and then sort of you gradually find your way into the scene or right. the work part of it. So right. I'm the opposite. There's people who stand in a corner and you know cut off their left foot for real. And, yeah. yeah, and then and they come on filled with something, and you think well, that's not that good. That's anyway. not yeah, good. Um, <laughs> that's like showy. That's showing off a little. Oh, yeah. I'm an actor. Yeah, I never. never I also don't really like when people warm up. <laughs> like, uh, like yeah, that? Yeah, I don't like that. I don't like uh, stretching. No. Because if anything, even if it does work, it's an unfair advantage over the other <laughs> actors. 
So if I were in the seafarer with you, yeah. although there are no women in this play, no. noted. Yeah. Um, I, what do you do like right before you come on? Um, well, now I'm going to show how dishonest I am because mm. I, I go up early, much earlier than I need to so that I can sit quietly. I do exactly the opposite of what I just uh -huh. said. And um, I listen to the play because I don't come on for the first 20 minutes, so I try to get into the vibe of the play kind of quietly yeah. before like I walk on. Yeah, frosted lucky charms, they're magically delicious. Yes. I, I listen to that over and over again. <laughs> yeah. No, I feel you. But I, I do. So I'm, it's really not true. Sometimes it depends on the part. Some parts you can talk all the way up to it, and some parts you have to have a little quiet time. Yeah. Well, let's have quiet time right now. Okay. We have two minutes and 45 seconds left. Well, can we fill it with... All right, the last thing we'll, we'll share, because it's just fantastic and it's never boring, is that when they did this movie, The Freshman, which I recommend to everybody, Marlon, my friend Marlon, <laughs> was at the point where, and it in no way affects the final product, but he had an earpiece. And his assistant would read his lines to him. So what is that like when you are acting with someone who has, you know, someone else in their ear while you're talking to them? Well, it's pretty much not noticeable. I mean, he gets his line, which you realize while he's pretending to listen to you, he's hearing his <laughs> lines. So the, the whole act, method acting thing starts to get a little like, oh, but he's not really paying any attention to me at all. But, but, it, but, uh, but he is kind of... And, uh, <laughs> but then it would, um, it would go wrong. He also have conversations with her. The assistant. Um, the assistant who was giving him the lines. She could hear him. There's a special mic for her. She's yeah. in a room off. And, uh, you know, she, and he would get mad at her or whatever. And he would just be talking. He'd be sitting opposite him and he'd say, no, 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 say the line while he's talking. Otherwise... <laughs> There's a, there's a, 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 a terrible pause. He finishes, and you start speaking my line, and there's this great gap. So uh, you, have to, you have to start speaking while he's speaking. <laughs> you have a magazine in one hand and a, a, a ham sandwich in the other. Put them down. Take, and take a letter to Nick Mancuso. <laughs> yeah, he, just, you know, he just started asking for things, you know, and we're out of milk. You know, yeah. <laughs> Sorry, I haven't done stand-up in a long time. No, but yeah. um, this was the best. We're done? I oh, can't boy. imagine doing this with anyone else this evening. This was so wonderful. I want to thank all of you for coming. From this was pleasure, so much too. fun. Yeah, thank you. You're great. You're great. No, you are. All right. Thank you all for coming. Good night.
If you want more information about my guests, go to the website, littleknownfactspodcast.com. I also wanted to tell you that there is now a new addition to the website. It is a button that says contributions. This podcast is a true labor of love, and I really, really want to keep doing it for a long time. So if you like listening as much as I love to do it, please feel free to contribute. It would mean the world to me. Also, on Twitter, you can find me at Alana Levine. Instagram is Little Known Facts Podcast. And on Facebook, Little Known Facts Podcast. You can also feel free to rate and review the show on the iTunes show page. This podcast is recorded at Hangar Studios in New York City. This episode was brought to you by Pro Media. Located in Times Square, Pro Media offers both production and post production services out of its beautiful studios in the heart of New York City. Pro Media Sound Vision. Find out more at promedia.nyc. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.